My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Coming soon to Irishman Abroad, Codeline frontman Steve Garrigan talks to me about the crippling social anxiety that nearly cost him everything. Free diver Claire Walsh takes me into the world of diving without breathing apparatus and how she overcame the fear. And everyone's favourite on-site reporter Richard Chambers gives me an extended look behind the scenes at the government entrusted with handling Ireland's COVID reaction. There's only one place to hear it all. It's at patreon.com forward slash Irishman man abroad. This week, the New York Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez hit the headlines again when the White House condemned the Republican Congressman Paul Gosar for tweeting a video which depicted him striking and appearing to kill her. The House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said threats of violence against members of Congress and the President of the United States must not be tolerated and called the House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy to join in condemning the video and call on law enforcement to investigate. Twitter did what Twitter does and attached a hateful conduct warning to the tweet, which also was posted on Instagram on Sunday, but they kept it up online. You're very welcome to today's episode of An Irishman in America with me, Jardeth Regan. As always, I'm joined by our US correspondent, Guardian, BBC and NPR and Today FM regular contributor Marion McKeown. This week, Marion has been writing for the Sunday Business Post about AOC and trying to figure out what it is about her that gets this furious response from Republicans. Great to talk to you, Marion. This week, she listed the instances of threatening behaviour from Republicans in Congress and pointed out that there's a long pattern here where she gets threatened at work by her colleagues and nothing happens. How far back does all this go? Like, when did it all begin? Right. It began pretty much, and great to talk to you, Charlotte, and hello to everyone. It began pretty much from the time she was elected, when in the 2018 midterms, she basically stunned everybody by defeating a, a, a guy um, who had been Nancy Pelosi's sort of third in command, an Irish American who who was a, t- a ten-term congressman and really well established in Congress, and she came out of pretty well nowhere and she defeated him. And I think she basically just sort of exploded on the scene in Washington. This 
very charismatic, incredibly articulate, beautiful young woman who really uh, seemed to come out of nowhere, but brought a self-possession and a charisma with her that that Republicans were just going, oh, my God. And at that stage, Republicans had lost their bogey woman, who was, of course, Hillary Clinton, because, you know, they had forever been relying on Republicans on, on going on about Hillary Clinton being the, the devil incarnate. And suddenly Hillary Clinton had been defeated by Donald Trump and she was off the scene. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, is all, they, they, they absolutely loathe and dread Nancy Pelosi in roughly equal measures. But it, she'd been around forever as well. And, and so along comes, uh, as I say, this sassy young New York woman, you know, super smart, a really good organiser and, and had very obvious political talent. And they, they, they just freaked. So as you say, that, that was the start of it. And, and she was rounded on really from day one. But, you know, there were three, she references the three instances that you speak about where Mar uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who who came in um, as as a, a new congresswoman, where she chased her down a corridor last year and called her all kinds of names and, and you know, behaved in a really threatening, inappropriate. And as Marjorie Taylor Greene does, um, she's a Republican congresswoman from Georgia, rookie congresswoman, a, a totally attention grabbing manner because she knows that when she attacks somebody like Ocasio-Cortez, she can raise money off the back of that and she gets in the media and she gets on Fox News and her profile goes up. Now, a more sinister attack uh, came from a Florida representative uh, last year called uh, Ted Yoho. They had an exchange on, on the Capitol steps um, and she had said that, um, not unreasonably, that, that basically poverty and deprivation were linked to crime, that, that a lack of opportunity was connected to crime. Nothing radical about that. Every sociologist, every social scientist would tell you the same thing. But he became very angry and, you know, called her all kinds of names. Uh, she said he was rude and she turned around and turned her back to go back into Congress to cast a vote. He called her an effing bitch on the steps of the Capitol. He was overheard by two Washington Post reporters who reported it. It was the first time that, that this sort of abuse that she had been receiving uh, came to the attention of journalists because they were there and they witnessed it and it became a story um, as had followed then by the Marjorie Taylor Greene and followed then by Paul Gozar, whose own family, he's an Arizona senator, former dentist, his own family say he's mentally unhinged. But what's more sinister to me is when people like Paul Gozar glamorize a fantasy attack on, on Marjorie Taylor Greene. And, you know, if you see that it's a 92 second clip and it, it's based on a, um, a Japanese anime and, and it's pretty graphic. But when you see that clip, it's based on Attack of Titan, um, th th that uh, cartoon. It sort of can be taken up in a context that worries me more. NBC reported that uh, Garrett Miller, a 34 year old from Texas, had, had posted, he was involved in the January 6th riot and he had posted online about wanting to kill AOC. And uh, there was a, you may remember about a year ago, there was a, a former Coast Guard who was who was arrested with guns and ammunition. And he had devised a plot to kill Pelosi and Ocasio-Cortez as well. And, you know, these are people who are already sort of unhinged and they're people who are living in their in their own quite warped worlds. And the last thing they need is people in Congress, her work colleagues, to be, you know, 
this sort of abuse of like verbally abusive and treating things like this where they are basically condoning a, a fantasy attack where where you know Paul goes or attacks her with a sword and as I say it's quite graphic where he hits her on the back and blood gushes everywhere uh, you know it's just not on like if you or I did that to a work colleague mm. you know to somebody we work with every day in an office you can be pretty sure if we weren't fired we'd be in serious trouble there'd be a written warning and the Republicans so far have said absolutely nothing Thing. They have not criticised Gozar in any way. There is an attempt now by Democratic um, congressional members to to pass a motion of censure on him. It will get no Republican support whatsoever. And the whole thing is disturbing, but it's an ongoing, it's a continuum of the fact that, you know, guys like... Ted Cruz, the, the um, Texas senator, you know, he's another one who spends his life basically jeering and mocking and scorning and vilifying this woman. And, and you know, and, and dozens of Republicans do the same thing because their constituents love it. And I can only suggest that, you know, my theory is pretty crude and pretty simple. It's that, you know, she's this woman that all these guys, uh, you know, and let's face it, a lot of these Republican guys who are, you know, who are champions of Gozar and Cruz and all these people, they're kind of living in the basement in cells. And they're the kind of guys who never got the pretty girl in school, who never got, and they kind of hate her, not just because I think that they, they don't agree with her policies, which is fine. She's a democratic socialist. A lot of Americans Americans are very, very against that. And that's fine. But their hatred of her goes deeper. It's more vicious. As I say, it goes into plots like two of which have been uncovered so far um, of, of, you know, Republicans and white supremacists who want to kill her. And, and that to me is on a different level. And that to me is very worrying. Wow. Wow. Marion, you said a mouthful. I mean, the, the first thing is like we look at the threats and these just violence like it is a form of violence in itself what's taking place and I was reminded immediately of the Time magazine piece that went up in 2019 which described you know the people that work for her being briefed nearly straight away as to how to assess threats as they walk in the door like the understanding in her first three months was that this is these risks are present for you but you know that's one thing aside like that's one side of this is the threats themselves and yet you know, the way a woman is being treated here but then you know as you say the why the the why can't just be because they didn't get the girl in high school what have you traced the why to like what is it exactly that she's doing like there's been other women in Congress who don't get this same response, but she seems to be, uh, you know, like she's lit the blue touch paper and she just sets them off. Yeah, you know, a part of it is also her race. She's Hispanic. She, Her mother is Puerto Rican and, you know, her father was an architect who also has a Hispanic, you know, a Hispanic heritage. Uh, so not only is she, like, she's a Hispanic woman who ousted a, a good old Democratic boy, Joe Crowley. Now, I knew Joe Crowley quite well. He was a decent, old-style New York Irish-American politician. And as I say, she came in, and it wasn't just Republicans who got a shock. It was Democrats who got a shock as well, because she really was something of a whirlwind. Now, she has proven that 
So you have the fact that she's a young woman. You have the fact that she's pretty fearless. Now, I've seen her on the floor in Congress. I've seen her taking on people. I've seen her argue. I've seen her make points. She's ferociously articulate and she's fearless and she is not afraid to take people on. And after um, Ted Yoho made those comments and, and, you know, she appeared in Congress and she made a speech saying that, you know, her parents did not raise her to be intimidated by men and that kind of thing. And she called him out on it. And before it was seen as, you know, there was this thing in Congress as well that, you know, women should go in and do their jobs and keep their heads below the parapet and don't be troublemakers. And, you know, if these old white guys are sexist and leery and racist, kind of say nothing. And that was the way they were advised. Now, to Nancy Pelosi's credit, she never did that either. She never took bullying or misogyny, you know, um, w- without countering it. She never, she never like looked the other way or behaved like the polite little girl that so many people wanted, you know, these women to behave like. Um, and uh, but I think with AOC, she just came out swinging. She's also superbly um, effective on on Twitter and all these other um, forums. She has about 13 million Twitter followers. Pelosi has about half of that. Donald Trump, of course, has 80 or 90 million. But for a young congresswoman to have 13 million. Twitter followers is really quite something. When she went to Glasgow this week um, for the COP26, she was really fated like like an international sort of stateswoman, like an, and a rock star somewhere in between. Nicola Sturgeon gave her some iron brew. There was all kinds of Twitter and memes and followings. She causes a stir wherever she goes because she has that one thing that you can't buy, which is charisma. She also has another thing, which is that she is super smart and she knows how how to highlight an issue and she knows how to deal with it and she knows how to get her message across. Um, I've seen her again, you know, on the various committees that she's on when she asks questions uh, in congressional hearings, she is forensic. She goes straight in for the jugular. She's like a laser. She just goes for it. And, and, you know, she doesn't faff around and grandstand. She's very precise and she's very focused. So I think this package of, she's still only 31, of a young woman who's incredibly smart, who's incredibly telegenic, charismatic, and she's also a happy warrior. You know, she takes, she seems to take joy in her job. She seems to take joy in representing people. She's always got a smile on her face. Now, she's not always, it sounds like I'm beatifying her, I realize. She's not always right. She's been wrong about a number of things. She is a rookie. Her inexperience does show from time to time. But I think she's a terrific role model for young women. And as I said, that mixture of being fearless and articulate and and knowing her stuff most of the time is a very potent mix. And I think this is what terrifies Republican men who are used to having white men running the show and they still can't get over it. And they'll bring in the token black person or the token woman. But those people always play by the Republican rules. And I said, she doesn't play by the Democrat rules either. She just goes in and does her thing. And, and you know, it's it's quite something to see the reaction when I'm in Congress, to see how people react to her, not just Republicans, but also a fair number of Democrats who find her incredibly exasperating, say she's not a team player, say she's out for herself, etc., etc. And, you know, you can highlight there, she voted against Biden's infrastructure bill, which a lot of people have made a lot of hay about in the Democratic Party as well. Now, she says that it 
without getting down the weeds of that, that was something that was thrashed out in advance. These things don't just happen. Um, it was recognised within the, the Democratic Party that she needed to keep her constituents on board, that they would need to turn out next year in the midterms, and that if she capitulated, there would be a lot of disillusioned people who might not bother voting Democrat come 2022. So that's your lot. If you're listening on SoundCloud and iTunes, come on over to Patreon and hear about the rest of this discussion where we talk about the media's culpability in the treatment of AOC, the acceptability of violence towards women in America, particularly women in public office, and the possibility of a run for the White House. You'll want to hear it all over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.